Welcome to Sing, Dance, Act, Thrive, featuring conversations with performing artists and industry influencers on what it takes to succeed in the arts. I am your host, Diane Foy, and I believe that you really can make a living from your creative talents. As a publicist, podcaster, and coach, my mission is to educate, motivate, and empower you to thrive with authenticity, creativity, and purpose. Hello, and welcome to episode number 26 of Sing, Dance, Act, Thrive. My guest today is Matthew Wilson, who is an award-winning Canadian actor, director, producer, and financer of the arts, with more than 500 stage performances to his credit. A versatile and talented character actor, he also boasts numerous TV and film credits, including Rookie Blue, Murdoch Mysteries, The Strain, Arrival, and Queer as Folk. Through his production company, Wilson Entertainment Productions, he has produced, directed, and starred in several cutting-edge short films. He also finances several small and large-scale film and television projects across Canada, and this past year, he has become the sole individual financer of the National Theatre School Drama Festival, which was previously called the Sears Festival. The festival has trained Canadian celebrities such as Ryan Gosling and Rachel McAdams. Matthew is an industry expert that has been involved in the Canadian film and art community at every level. Matthew shared fantastic advice and insight on being an actor, being a director, and being a producer in Canada, and shares some great auditioning tips since he's been a casting director on his own projects. We also talk about our love-hate relationship with social media, the joy of podcasting, and he makes a case for why I should listen to Howard Stern. I don't want to. I don't like him. But maybe I'll give it a shot. Anyways, I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the show. Hello, thanks. What have been some of your career highlights? Oh, boy. Uh, mostly theater. I love the theater. I come from the theater. So uh, some of my biggest highlights were um, some of my own things that I've produced in film and the theater. But I, I don't know if I have any mostly highlights i have a few low lights yeah <laughs> we can that, talk about that too because you know yeah. <laughs> well yes <laughs> there's always struggles along the way we all certainly have those unfortunately yeah. um yeah i think a lot of the stuff that i've done independently that i'm really proud of yeah probably most of the stuff that i've done independently yeah in film or have you done theater that you've created uh, as well Mostly film that I've created myself. Uh, a little bit of theater, you know, some uh, uh, fringe stuff that ended up doing quite well. You know, you didn't think it was going to do as well as it does. And then all of a sudden, boom, it really takes off. And that's like catching lightning in a bottle. Yeah, yeah. So you're in a film right now on Netflix called American Hangman? Amer American Hangman, yes, with uh, Vincent Kardheiser and uh, Donald Sutherland. Wow. And uh, what was it like working with them? 
I never met them. Oh, they well, there you go. All, <laughs> yeah, they shut all their stuff in one single solitary room uh, very quickly. And then they were released. They were wrapped. And uh, they shot most of the film after uh, they had all the principal stuff done with the principal actors. I was an executive producer on the film too. So it was interesting considering I never met him. I didn't work with him, nor did I meet him. Right. I was an executive producer in the film and I had a nice little role in the film, but I never, I never met him. He was in and out. Both mm-hmm. actors were in and out. Yeah. I mean, I could have, but you know, they were working. They Yeah. Yeah. And so anything else about that film that you'd want to share? Yeah. Well, it, it's doing very well on Netflix. And I think that the reason it's doing well on Netflix is I, we believed that it was going to be, uh, the demographic would be to a group, uh, mostly in America, um, not conspiracy theorists, but, you know, people who feel that the, the, the justice system is failing the people of America. And of course, you know, you turn on any news channel and we see this every night. And that film wasn't designed for that reason, but it certainly has filled that gap. It's doing well. It's, it's uh, the fifth most trending film uh, on Netflix and it's an independent movie. Yeah, and it's it's probably the type of of movie that Netflixers kind of binge on, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's what's happening. You know, I follow um, the stuff on the Twitter and the, and all the socials and people really are genuinely liking the film a lot. Yeah. And it's not, I'm not going to say that I'm surprised or not surprised, but I will say that uh, we weren't really expecting to take off quite like that. We didn't even know it was going to be released on Netflix. We knew it was going to be released on Netflix, but we didn't think it was going to be until October or November, maybe September, right. said the fall. And all of a sudden, they didn't even tell us. It was just there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, really? <laughs> no lead up. Hey, it's no on. Let's go. Yeah. 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 It was <laughs> That's just, kind of uh, the way everything's released now, though, too, isn't it? Like music sometimes, it's just like, hey, yeah. Beyonce dropped another album. Here you go. No lead. Yeah. Yeah, there. exactly. We were quite shocked. I mean, we'll take it, but we wanted, uh, I mean, you know, as a publicist, you want, <laughs> you would like some warning so you yeah. can gear up for it. <laughs> but listen, it's better than the alternative. Like really and truly, it could never have been released or you yeah. know, released, uh, you know, uh, at a horrible time, you know, like when the hockey season starting off or baseball season is uh, in playoffs or something. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, this is, this has been good. <laughs> Yeah, it is interesting way of, that they're releasing now. And I guess it, it kind of feeds our instant gratification that we're all in now. It's like, we don't want to wait. If you tell me no. about an amazing film I want to see, I want to see it now. Well, and as an executive producer, I wanted it out last year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm very, very happy that it's out. So what got you into this? What first drew you to acting as a, as a child? Did you start young? Yeah, um, I'm 46 now. And when I was a kid, I really had a, a lot of trouble at school. Um, I couldn't focus. I think, you know, if my parents knew then what they know now, they would have sent me to an art school. But I, I grew up in a really small town. There was, there just, there just wasn't that. So I started getting involved with theater and I really, um, I really was drawn to the theater. I really liked the camaraderie. The, the theater to me is like a temple. It's I'm not a religious person, but it's my church. It's my I feel very safe there. And I was just really drawn to the theater. I liked the actors. I liked the 
the learning. I like rehearsing. I like performing. So that's what was really what really drew me into the theater was the camaraderie, and I and I love to perform and I love to learn. Right. So, how if you weren't in an art school, how did you start getting some training or getting into it? Community theater. Community theater. Yeah. Community theater, and people ask me all the time. Uh, how they can get involved. And I tell them community theater, it's a great way to learn. Mm -hmm. You'll do good work. You'll also do some pretty crummy work, um, but you'll, you'll do some really good work in community theater where chances are you weren't going to play some of those roles elsewhere. Right. And it's a good training ground and working with other actors. You're always working with different actors. You're always working with different directors. Um, For the most part, you're not getting paid, but you're not paying anything. Right. Uh, and you could, you know, there's been some great actors with the community theater. And how old were you when you started? I started doing community theater. When I started really getting serious was when I was about 20. Yeah. Before that, I was just kind of kicking around. Right. But after I, I was about 20, and I got cast in a, in a play and I started to get like real reviews and the stakes were higher and, um, there was some money to be made and that's when I took things a lot more seriously. And I, and I think people took me a lot more seriously too. Like I wasn't going away. <laughs> right. Right. And you had made the decision that that's what you wanted to do with your life, your career. Yes. It's one of the things that I want to do. I do other things, but that's one of the things I, I really wanted to do is I really wanted to work as an actor. Um, you know, as I've gotten older, I still love to act. I love performance. Uh, I also have been drawn towards directing and right. doing other things in the arts, but I love to act. It's, you know, it's something that um, it's kind of in my DNA. Like I say to my wife, I, I can't really, this isn't like a hobby. This is a kind of a way of my life. Like I need this outlet. Yeah. I think I'm going to do a play in the winter and um, it'll be the nice big role that I've been wanting to do in f- for the last while. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. That'll be, I need to stretch. I need to do some stretching. You know, I've been doing some film work and some TV work and it's going to be nice to get back on the boards. Yeah. Yeah. And so since you work in, in all film, television and theater, what are some of the differences in working in those different formats? Well, I find that the theater, I do believe that I'm just genuinely more comfortable, but, um, I mean, you you know this, so it is hard to explain. Like when you're on stage, you have six weeks to rehearse it. You have two weeks to rehearse it, and then, granted, you're once you're live, it doesn't stop. Yeah, <laughs> you're live for two hours, night after night after night after night after night. But in film, everything moves so slowly, um, so you can take a little bit more time to learn. But it's very quick. I mean, if you don't if you don't get it in rehearsal, it's done. Like they shoot it and it's done, yeah. and that's very hard i think for most actors to really wrap their head around because you know you kind of get used to some things in a way um and then it all changes the stakes are very high in both instances i find um but again every time i walk onto a film set i'm very nervous i'm very anxious right but uh very apprehensive going to the theater you know I've, I've, i've probably done what we're about to do you know so i take it a little more in stride i guess Interesting. But I, I find the very same thing with the other actors and the directors. Um, in the theater, you're in it for much more of a long haul. Yeah. But in, the, in, in TV and film, 
it just moves so fast. You know, you just shoot so quickly and then you're on to something else. Right. Less time to really rehearse and well, yeah, get into rehearse. the character. Yeah. And really hone things and really get comfortable with things. Yeah. It's yeah. so quick. Whereas theater, you also get the energy of you need to get it down by opening night and then it's live. And then you got the audience there giving you energy back. And there's nothing like that. Yeah. You know, it does. Maybe if you're a, a, a musician or a dancer, um, you know, you get that energy and stage actors certainly get that energy back. And there's nothing like that. I don't care uh, what film set you're on working in front of a live audience, is much different yeah different and then also film and television you have to wait so long to see it (laughs) yeah right you do well when did you shoot this film (laughs) but then again in theater you you never get to see yourself true yeah the the, the only people have never seen the rolling stones are the rolling stones yeah so what are some of the challenges that you've faced in your career it's hard to make a living at this so um, it is hard to make a living what are some Uh, advice maybe for the downtimes how do you going well but first of all, uh, work, like have a real job. So you really do have money. Right. Um, and I tell people to still stay involved with reading, reading a lot of scripts, reading a lot of plays, reading a lot of screenplays. One thing that I wish that I had done is I wish that I had written. Uh, I never wrote anything. You know, I'm from the generation that if you were an actor, you were an actor. And now that's not the case. People starting out in this industry they'll be an actor and they'll still write stuff and they'll shoot stuff and they'll do what are they called? Web casts. No, right. like web TV shows or web shows. Uh, Web series. Yeah. There's so much more. And I think that uh, it's a very, very uh, common for people not to know what to do with their product. Now, before I would either go to video or theaters or nowhere. And right. now there's so many, so many opportunities to, to, to share your, your stuff. The main thing is I think that people should just work, um, get together with some people, shoot stuff on weekends, really learn uh, about the craft of whatever you're doing, whether you're shooting or rehearsing or, or performing or writing and get a nice little nucleus of people. And that nucleus of people will quite often change. And you'll be working with somebody on a project who is also an actor. And then they like you as an actor and they write something and they write a role for you. Um, there's so much spinoff now. It's six degrees of separation. Like everybody starts to know everybody because not everybody is just an actor anymore. Everybody gets to do everything. Yeah. So I wish that I had written. and. That's one piece of advice uh, is in creating my own material has been fantastic. Being in charge of my own stuff, um, you know, creating my own film and um, executive producing has certainly opened up a lot of avenues and a lot of opportunities for myself. Yeah, with a lot of opportunities that are happening right now, it's kind of cool that you can't just go, oh, well, no one's hiring me. Now it's like, well, then create yeah. something <laughs> if nobody's casting your type of whatever type of actor you are then create something get together yeah. and create something yep. and um like even how nicole kidman and a lot of the actresses are doing it now starting their own production companies and creating projects for themselves because if nobody's casting actors over 40 they're like well we'll create our own thing <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, you know, when I was really, I have, I found a real turning point when uh, there is so much focus on diversity and there should be, Yeah. but I, I'm blonde and blue eyed <laughs> and uh, you know, I'm the white male <laughs> I'm the white male. And all of a sudden those things just kind of stopped. And um, was it a little bit of the reverse effect? Like suddenly guys like me, we we're just not getting cast. Right. So I realized I started to have to um, produce my own stuff and I did, and I'm glad I did or else I wouldn't be doing very much some days. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You're also involved in the national theater school drama festival. Tell me about that. Yeah. Uh, it was formerly the Sears festival and I was involved in the Sears festival when I was a kid, a little kid. And, um, and it was, it was important to me when I heard they were having some trouble and uh, they weren't going to continue. They were looking for sponsors um, to keep the festival relevant uh, throughout the country. So uh, myself, I have an, a production company called Wilson Entertainment Productions and the Stratford Festival and IATSE and myself uh, came together and uh, looked after things financially for them for a while so the festival could continue. And it's a festival for kind of up and coming actors, actors that yeah, are learning. Yeah, high schoolers, high schoolers, right. and it's from it's coast to coast. It's a great, great avenue. And um, when you do, when you take part in the Sears Festival, um, you know, when you're a teenager, it's a big deal. And right. I didn't want uh, you know that to go away. Yeah, it's important to, to keep arts in the schools as well, and that seems to be the first thing that's cut that's caught and we're witnessing that in Ontario and probably other provinces too. And, um, you know, I didn't want that to happen. It was important. The arts were very important to me and I didn't have an arts program in my school. So I wanted to keep it relevant for some students. Have you always worked in Canada or have you gone elsewhere? No, no. no. <laughs> every single solitary time that I'm being considered for casting abroad i think well i'm not getting that it's <laughs> never worked out no no it's never worked out huh. so you haven't did the move to la and try and make it thing no 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 i like canada and i have a business here i have a couple businesses here and i have a family here and you know i work a fair amount i work a fair amount and i you know i've, I've got an American feature on Netflix that I am one of the executive producers on. I don't know if we necessarily have to go to another country to work. Yeah. Yeah. That's hey, listen, I'm not, it's up to some people to do that and that's fine. I just, that wasn't really for me. I do hear that as maybe it's an, an excuse that some actors make that, you know, Canada doesn't have the culture, the theater culture. Well, they, the cer culture. they certainly don't have the star system. Yeah. Nor do I system. think they, and nor do I think they ever will. Right. But um, I'll tell you something. Having watched this for the last number of years, it's changing. It's beginning to change. People have said that for a long time, but people, with, especially since Netflix, you know, a lot of these shows like Working Moms and, and Shit's Creek. Um, you know, we're being taken a lot more seriously and people say, I don't care where it's shot. If it's funny, it's funny. If it's dramatic, it's dramatic. If it's good, it's good. Yeah. And Canadians are producing good work and that's the truth. So I think that things will change. I just don't think it'll ever be a real just legitimate star system within Canada. Right. Yeah. Cause it's been the same conversation for 30 years or more, you know, or, yeah. but not to have a star system in Canada is very Canadian. 
I know. <laughs> you know, we will just continue yeah. to do good work and good film and good TV and good theater. We'll never really have a star system. Yeah. And I would, I would much rather have good product than just famous people. Well, it's also probably just our culture, too, because, you know, a lot of celebrities say when they come here, no one really bugs them. Because <clears throat> we may see superstar celebrity walking down the street and we just go, hey, there's so-and-so. Yeah. You know, we exactly. don't chase down the street. <laughs> yeah, exa- that's exactly it. Yeah. If you had a choice of what your ne- next project would be, would it be film, television, or theater? Well, TV intrigues me but it intimidates me because i think it's like the wild west i think it's a real moving target television nowadays but i would love to do something in television i don't know what will ever happen with film with film i think i hope that film will be like in the in the 70s and the 80s where it's more uh meat and potatoes writing directing and performance without a lot of cg and, and 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 um effects you know, how many Fast and Furious movies can we have? And people think that those are great. <laughs> those yeah. are our movies now. Yeah. Um, the only thing I think of is that maybe when it's all kinds of fast action and, and effects, it gives you a reason to go to the theater, whereas it's yeah. hard to get people to actually go to the theater to see a film now. <laughs> it, is. it is. Tiff and it, Yeah. And, and uh, you know, a lot of those movies that do well at festivals – uh, and at award shows, they don't have a big long run in theater. Yeah. Um, but I would love for a resurgence in film to to be like that. But I think that TV is where it's at, and I think that streaming things like on YouTube is is beyond that. I think that that's a real something that people will consider more and more often is uh, just posting things on YouTube and hope that it gets an audience. And if it gets an audience, they will make money. It's happening more for the music industry, like a lot of musicians have discovered that they can just do it themselves and release it. So more and more actors and directors, producers, writers are like, well, we can just do it ourselves. Do it ourselves. Yeah. Like I, yeah, that's exactly it. And, 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 uh, I mean, it's being seen, it's being seen a lot more on YouTube than a lot of other places. So I think that people will end up putting things on YouTube more and more all the time. Do you have a kind of, a group of people that you tend to collaborate with often or is it always someone new? Yeah, I think that, you know, I've had a group I've had groups of people and then every time we go to do something, you know, somebody is busy. So we'll use somebody else. We're like, Oh yeah, well maybe we'll use them again and we'll use that woman. And then next time we'll use a different guy on something else. So I, I, I guess kind of both. There's always a bit of a continuous nucleus nucleus that we use, but you know if somebody wants to cast you as an actor, I think you're going to go. Yeah. But doing my own stuff, I like using, uh, I like being faithful. But in the same token, I like using new people. If that makes any sense, yeah. I know when I cast when I cast a, a something, I always cast somebody that I don't know. I think it's important as a director and I've been in that position where you just can't get in the door. You can't, you know, it's very clicky yeah. and I, I'm proud to uh, take somebody else on new that doesn't either have much experience or an actor that I, I'm not really familiar with. And I think, well, I think I want to get familiar with this person. I think they have a lot to offer. Casting is very important to me because I know what it's like auditioning. 
So being on that side, the casting side, do you have advice for actors when they're going to into an audition? Uh, Yeah, a lot. I think that people, actors are not normally uh, prepared enough. Um, If we're talking about the theater, so many times I'll be uh, auditioning for a play like I'm, I'm holding auditions, I'm directing, and people will either be not familiar with the play at all, or they will not have read it. Uh, I always get actors to do a short monologue, and I'm amazed at the actors that come in unprepared. And I think I, the first impression lasts. I ask you to do one thing, and you can't even do that one thing. How can I trust you for two months? Yeah, yeah. You obviously don't want it very much if you're just like, you're probably just going to every audition if you yeah. have a prep. Yeah, and and, uh, I, and, and, um, and going into a film or TV audition, it's very nerve-wracking. You know, you, quite often you've driven a long ways, you've fought through traffic, you've paid for parking, you've changed your clothes in the bathroom at the audition house, and you're in the, in the room for... Two minutes at the very, very most, you know, anywhere 30 seconds to a minute is normally your time in there. And it's very stressful. I wish that the people auditioning sometimes had more respect for the people auditioning because it's it's ra- it's a nerve wracking experience. And anytime I'm auditioning, I like to settle the actors in a little bit. They can ask questions. Why not? I, th- I think that's important. I think that there's been some some shift there where sometimes the sometimes the 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 casting directors are a little too quick to get you in and out yeah but maybe that's just me maybe maybe they say oh wilson's here get him out (laughs) i could go both ways like i think it's also it no matter what you do in the industry it's good to have compassion and empathy to seeing where the other person's coming from and just be Mm -hmm. more supportive in that way because it is intimidating on both sides Mm -hmm. you know but you also have to have respect for the process and show up prepared. Yeah, and it's amazing because I'm I want to be very understanding and sympathetic and empathetic for, towards the actors because I've been in that position. Mm-hmm. But man, you gotta come in somewhat prepared. Yeah. yeah, you'll overlook nervousness or oh, yeah, <laughs> all that other stuff if when you go on they like know their stuff. Yeah, like again, like when you have auditions. I know people are nervous. I've been there. You got to come in prepared. I don't even care if they start and stop the monologue because they're nervous. Yeah. But show me that you put in the effort to learn a monologue. A monologue one minute. What other so, mis- mistakes do you see actors make when they're auditioning? Well, there's a there's a whole plethora, but they tell you all about everything that they've done and how they you know uh, like they almost smack talk the other directors choices that they would have made in plays that they were in yeah but the director didn't want to do things a certain way and mm-hmm. i think well you know maybe the director had a, a reason or maybe yeah. you weren't prepared um and i see actors come into auditions sometimes a little too hot like a little too little too little too sure but once again quite often that's nerves but i can deal with a lot of that the thing that drives me crazy the most are the actors who are just not prepared to even audition and right. then if i give them the role i move very quickly in rehearsal so i tell people you have to be off book or you'll definitely hold us all up oh yeah and yeah. for the most part actors do come in very well prepared once they learn that i'm not messing around but other than other than just not being very prepared, not much really 
bothers me too much. Does it matter, you know, how they dress, what they look like, that kind of stuff? To me, it doesn't. But would you say go in for the role you're auditioning? Yeah. And I'm more of a character actor. So I like doing that as an actor. It helps me as an actor. So I think, well, if it's helping them as an actor, then sure, go ahead. I don't know if it's helping me as a director to watch them. But yes, if if, uh, if you're going to be playing uh, um, a hillbilly from the 1950s, uh, I think it's great if a guy comes in wearing overalls. Yeah. You know, de- denim overalls. Um, you know, and if a woman's playing something uh, uh, like, you know, if we're casting Oklahoma, I love it when she comes in wearing a dress of the period. That's great. It helps me and it helps her. Yeah. And it shows that they've gone the distance to, uh, you know, to, to try a little. It's always yeah. hard when you're auditioning in film or TV for a police officer because not everybody has a police uniform and then you're like, do I wear a suit or I just wear like a blue button down? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a rough detective police officer yeah (laughs) which kind of police officer are you yeah i know it's always tough for that one so you mentioned that you might do a theater production in the fall do you know what what that's going to be yet um yeah i'm auditioning for a a really cool play it's an irish play it's called the beauty queen of lanon and um it's written by martin mcdonough who wrote um was it seven billboards or three billboards or something oh that Uh, movie yeah, he's a great playwright. I've seen a bunch of his stuff. And uh, I mean, I, I certainly don't have the role, but I'm going out for it. And uh, I really, really want it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've spoken to the director a lot. I know the director. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether she's going to give me the role, but uh, I'm certainly going to plan on auditioning and, and learn it real well. And hopefully I'll have a good audition. Yeah. So it's kind of cool after talking about casting when you're the casting director so now you're going out on an audition i know <laughs> do you do a lot of that now i do yeah i do and i'll tell you directing has certainly made me uh, a better actor not talent wise but discipline wise i really see a lot of shortcomings that i had before that i took advantage of and um, like not coming prepared <laughs> uh i was always pretty prepared yeah um but, you know, there's a lot of things, uh, even when, like, during the auditions and callbacks and rehearsals and going throughout rehearsals and then not so much the run of the show, but right. uh, I will be the first one to admit that I quite often wouldn't take things as seriously as I should have. And I never really realized it until I was the director. Once I became the director, I realized how important it is for the uh, for the actors to stay focused all the time, uh, not just say, "Well, it's you know, I'm not on for another 16 pages." You should be prepared. You should be really prepared. You should walk on a stage uh, totally engaged. And sometimes in the wings, uh, waiting for my entrance, I wouldn't be totally engaged. I would be engaged as about three feet into the scene. Right. I see that so much more as a director now and it's not fair to the director and quite honestly it's not fair to the production or the company or the cast directing has taught me more about acting than than I ever thought it would and how do you look at it differently as a producer well that's something entirely different because (laughs) I want to change everything uh if I'm just producing it sometimes drives me a little crazy because I I want to be looking after the artistic side and the business side. 
And you just, a lot of times you just have to shut your mouth. As the producer? As the producer, you can't get too involved in the artistic stuff. It'd be like the general manager of a hockey team sliding notes under the coach's door as to how he should be running the team. Yeah, I can see that. (laughs) Yeah, so it's you have to tread lightly, but in the same token, luckily... You know, I've worked with good people and they will take, they will at least listen to me. They may not always take uh, my advice and maybe my advice isn't right, but I've been fortunate where people will take me seriously and listen. What is it about producing that you like when it kind of does take away the artistic part of it? I don't love producing. No. 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 I will quite often do it because I know it will get done. Right. Okay. Not just done my way, just it will get done. At least if I do it, it will get done. Right. So um, that's that's probably why I produce mostly. It's not because I like it. Just to get things actually Mm -hmm. completed. How is your role different when you're producer or executive producer? A lot of time I have seen firsthand where uh, suddenly people treat you certainly differently when you're the money person. Right. That's about the only difference for me. People kind of treat you differently because you're the money person. But I don't really like that. I remember when I was on set for American Hangman and somebody said, what the hell are you doing over here talking to these guys for lunch? You're an executive producer. Get over here. And I said, no, I'm, I'm fine. I'll have lunch <laughs> with these people. <laughs> I want to talk to the crew and hang out because they're my people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I, 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 I'm, I'm a blue collar person. I'm just hanging with these guys talking about lights and 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 uh, sound, and we're talking about sports and world events. So you guys are over there. You're talking about the very same thing. Yeah, I'm just talking. You know, I'm just talking with these people. But I, I, that's one of the the differences. And um, you know, you go into a party as an actor, and nobody really wants to talk to you. When you go into a party, and you're in, introduced as an executive producer in film. Yeah, suddenly people want to <laughs> talk to you. How do you introduce yourself if you're at a a networking event during TIFF? How do you introduce yourself? Oh, God, I hate those moments. I really, that's, (laughs) we all go, but it's really not my scene. I'm a small town guy. I'd rather be at home. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Just Matt Wilson. um, You know, I'm an actor, you know, producer, filmmaker, director. You just, all of a sudden, you just sound like such an idiot. (laughs) <laughs> so I guess it kind of depends on who you're talking to. It's great when people introduce you. Yeah. You don't have to make that decision. But uh, you know what? At the end of the day, really, I guess I am all those things. I do a lot of directing. I do a lot of acting. I do a lot of producing. I do a lot of financing. And is that, it acting is the one that's, is that, would you say that that's the biggest part of kind of your heart? No. No. It's, what's I, it's what I want to do the most. Okay. I really want to act more than anything. And I really, really, over the last three years, have fallen in love with directing. And I never, ever saw that coming. It would be like me saying, hey, I think I'm going to become a professional pilot. Like, I I have no interest. I'm scared of heights. Like, I have no interest in doing that. And I had no interest in being a director. And I sure like directing. And what changed? How did you get into that? You know, I'm not much of a sports person, but I use a lot of sports analogy. And I found that watching hockey, quite often the best coaches were not great players. And I don't think that I was a great actor. 
I think I was a good character actor, but I did a lot of small parts in a lot of productions and I would watch the director. I love to watch. I love to be on set and I love to be in the theater. And I would just literally hang around. They'd say, go home. Like you're not needed. Please go home. (laughs) And I just wanted to be on the set or, or in the theater. And I learned a lot from directing And, and I've had really good directors and I've had really bad directors and when I started to look at, you know, I'd watch plays and I would think I, I could do better than that. It would be paced much quicker. It would, you know, things would move a lot faster. The casting is not right. Um, the interpretation is just not the interpretation that this calls for. And so eventually I started to uh, take some chances in directing one act plays and, and I got my confidence, but audiences like them. And I found that actors like, being directed by me i could relate uh, i had paid my dues um they knew that i knew what they were going through and suddenly directing just kind of seemed to really fit my mold um that's really how it started and i uh i'm directing a play um in the springtime called pig girls about the indigenous women being taken uh in in british columbia right. it's very very disturbing and um uh, it's it's quite an honor to be harnessed with the responsibility of um, presenting that play. It's a big play. It's very touchy, and it's something that you got to do right, or there's going to be a lot of um, controversy mm. around it. Do you have? Oh, um, yeah. yeah, we're well aware. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. What are some of the people that you have around you helping you with that one? That started just recently. We just had two meetings, so not much has happened, but I'll get insulated well with a good stage manager, and uh, we'll just start the process getting uh, scripts out to people and um, getting some auditions set. But as of yet, nothing's really set up. It won't be till next spring. Okay. So you see mostly directing in your future? I see directing and acting. I really want to be acting more in film and tv um and i really have my confidence right now in acting in film and tv and i want to be doing more of that i'm looking at doing a production that i'd be executive producer on with a big director out of los angeles but i can't really get into that uh, and that's well, i hope that's going to happen um and yeah directing theater and i really want to be acting more in film and tv so and every actor does and every actor unless you're a working A-list actor, it's your biggest job's finding your next gig. Are you active on social media? Yeah, active is enough for a 46-year-old guy that works all the time, yeah. yeah. I kind of wish I wasn't. I'm kind of over it. Yeah. But you have to do it. You have to. You have to. I'm usually the one telling you, you have to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't care if you don't like it. <laughs> I know. I know it's what you want to do for a living. You know, I've given mm-hmm. that speech a lot. So, mm-hmm. um, so, uh, what, what platform do you say you thrive at? If you thrive at any Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people are more engaged with me through Facebook and then Instagram and then Twitter. I kind of like Twitter better. I like Instagram the least, but I'm the most familiar with Facebook. I think me too. Yeah, because I think you can post images and you're not limited to how much you can write on Facebook. And you can post images and videos and write about them. Yeah. 
I mean, you can with Twitter, but you're limited to how much you can write. And uh, I don't know. For some reason, maybe it's what everybody started with was Facebook, so we know it better. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe if, maybe if Instagram or Twitter had started first, we'd be we'd be more comfortable with those. I've always been a fan of Twitter. I like it. You, sometimes you can connect with people that you wouldn't connect with any other way. I find. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. For sure. Uh, the, absolutely. And I do find that. Yeah. Like and, as an actor, you can follow casting directors. I love the list feature in Twitter because you can basically make a list of all casting directors. You can make a list of all media yeah. blogs, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then make sure you never miss those tweets. So. Yeah. There is that. Yeah. Yeah, kind of like uh, Twitter kind of keeps you on schedule a bit. Kind of keeps you like you're, you you can let, allow it to keep you updated that way. Yeah. Facebook, you kind of got to scroll and try not to get stuck in the vacuum of the vortex. Of yeah. <laughs> or because Facebook also is more personal too. So you yeah. might get off topic on you're trying to do business, but then all of a sudden you're in a personal conversation with a friend. And <laughs> yeah, I know that happens. Yeah. Um, There's that on Facebook. Um, are you big with the Instagram? I am trying to be. <laughs> I, uh, I I don't post as often as I should, and uh, I don't post as much of me as I should, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm getting better. <laughs> what do you post when you're not, if you're not posting you? Well, I'm posting like sometimes my clients. Um, okay. and my podcast guests. Um, so there's a lot of images. That's good. Yeah, I do like a, a cover art of each episode. So I'll have a photo of you and the episode cover art. So I'll post that. And there's a really cool thing. Might as well talk about it on the podcast. There's a really cool thing about my podcast host. If you click on the player, there's a recast option. And so you can click a 30, 60, 90 second clip and it makes a video for you that you can post on socials. Oh, I want that. Yeah. (laughs) So whatever 30, 60 second thing you think is your gold of this episode, you can (laughs) clip it and post that on social. I don't think I'll, I've never caught 60 seconds of gold. (laughs) Well, other people will choose your gold. Yes. I have, I have people to choose my gold. Yes. That's cool. That's great. How's the podcast been going? It's been good. I I have kind of done a little hiatus this month. Um, not planned. I've just been so busy with actually publicity stuff and all this other stuff that I do that I was just like, oh, I need a little bit of a break from the podcast. But okay. meanwhile, I'm moving it over to its own website. So good the podcast know. used to be part of com, but now it has its own Sing, Dance, Act, Thrive domain and that that way i can also maybe i can't interview the person um but i can always post event news or when you have a play coming up i could post that kind of stuff and yeah i want to post uh resources so you know Mm -hmm. if industry people who want to write about their area of expertise or have resources of how to of different parts of the industry so you Mm -hmm. do more, more when it's its own kind of media outlet thing and the okay. podcast is the focus but uh yeah the podcast has been great i love the interview part it's the editing part that drives me up the wall <laughs> and do you edit it yourself or do you get yes. somebody else to do that? Okay. <laughs> I, I do everything myself so so that's why i do have a backlog of some interviews but it's just like the editing i don't want to do it no i wouldn't want to do that either the interviewing would i would like but not the not the editing 
Yeah, that's the part I love. I love talking to people. I love, and also I love podcasts because there's no real time limit. A lot of people, if you hear an interview of them on a normal, whether it's a TV or radio, you know, there's limited time. You get the sound bites, but you don't really get to know them really well. So I like that podcast. When did you start the podcast? I, I think it started airing in end of March. Okay. So I'm on episode 22. Wow, look at you. Yeah, and has been weekly, except for the last few weeks. And you must get really busy at TIFF. Yeah, so I'm going to be working with an actress that's in a film, and we'll, I'll take her to all those events that you hate. The yeah, <laughs> I really don't like them. I love them. <laughs> but I guess that's why I'm a publicist. I guess. I guess. I mean, we all do it. But yeah, I really, I really thought I didn't like it, and then now I really realize I, I really, I really don't think I do. Yeah. Yeah, I really don't think. <laughs> you really don't like it. <laughs> really don't like it. Well, I think if you manage to get where you want to go career-wise without it, then you don't have to. But mm-hmm. or it could be at this point you've paid your dues. Whereas, like I feel like I don't go out as much as I used to because I've paid my my dues. I've I've done the out every night at every event possible and got mm-hmm. to know everyone in the music industry, the film industry. You know, it's like. So I don't go out as much. If you could, would you not be on social media? No, I like it. <laughs> oh, I, I, I don't. I wish I was to the point where I didn't need to do it at all. Mm, yeah. I do find a lot of artists are like that. Yeah, I really <laughs> don't want to be doing it. Which, that's, that's the part that baffles me. Mm-hmm. Explain, this to, explain this to me. Um, artist, whether you're a musician, actor, isn't the point that you want to be a public figure? No, not my point. No, I, I don't. Yeah, of course. I want to be successful, but I don't want yeah. it based on my tweets. I want my work. Right. Like, Jack Nicholson, Brad Pitt, or Leonardo DiCaprio have uh, um, social media. They don't. Well, I mean, um, Leonardo DiCaprio does, but it's not him. Yeah. They just, they just let the work speak to them for themselves. That's right. what I'd love. But I think if they were just starting now, they'd of have course. to. Oh, yeah. So that completely the totally. thing, but I, I would love to be like so many people, like Jake Gyllenhaal and um, you know Angelina Jolie. They don't really have any presence yeah. on social media. They are popular enough, I guess. But yeah, I think they probably got to a certain level that the media takes care of it for them. Like so, the media, the paparazzi, they'll make sure that their image is everywhere and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what they want to say. Yeah, I really have no interest in sitting there creating tweets. I mean, I do it, um, but I'd really rather not. Yeah, I'd really rather read the paper. But that's what we do. That's what we do now. Yeah, we tweet and we don't read the paper. <laughs> yeah, literally, we tweet and we don't read the paper. Pretty much, we only read the headlines too. Who who has time to read an article? <laughs> of course, not this guy. Headlines. That's all you need. <laughs> yeah. It's Leonardo DiCaprio, Jack Nicholson, Brad Pitt, and Angelina Jolie. They're the ones with the time, I guess, because they're not on social media. Yeah. <laughs> but it's kind of what we got to do now. Mm-hmm. If you can figure out a way of not doing it with social media, go for it. But I find there's so much that you have to do on socials. Mm-hmm. 
like if you were someone you wanted to connect with, if there was a casting director you were dying to connect with and you had no personal connection, social media. Yes. Social media is your. That's what I love about it is that it's people that you didn't have the opportunity to meet before. Now, you you could make it happen through social media. Just by creeping. Internet stalking. I love it. That's why you yeah. have lists on Twitter and <laughs> follow them. And it's like, it gives you that advantage at least. But it's also like as an actor or musician, you have to kind of build like a fan base too. And that's yeah, kind of what you, you have do, to do. You, you have to have a, a following. And what I find happens more and more is people are cast based on how many followers they have. It's going to bring in an audience, believe it or not. True. That is the way it's going with, I think, with Instagram for sure. Yeah, and it just shocks me because I think, you know, they could be a horrible, horrible actor, yet they may get cast. Yeah. Because they have a lot of followers. Unbelievable. But they wouldn't last very long, I don't think. Well, you would think, but I'm telling you, people. Even the followers, it doesn't, that doesn't last. Like whoever is the influencer of the moment. Yeah. It's going to be someone new. Next I sound month. like such a curmudgeon. <laughs> Go to theater school, influencer, be a YouTube sensation. It's just so foreign to me, I guess, but it's what happens. Yeah. Ideally, you have a balance of the both, talent mm-hmm. and a following. Yes. There's, a, there's substance and then there's following. Yeah. If you could mm-hmm. only change the world. Yes. We don't have that power. It's- if you and I were in charge, things would be much different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, and yeah. The only thing that bugs me, like I love social media when I'm at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I'll, I can do that. I'm on a computer. I'm connecting with people. I'm, I actually don't like it when I'm out. Okay. I'm, I'm watching a concert. Can we just watch the concert? Why does everyone yes. have, to have their phone up? Yeah. yeah. So I'm a little bit like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. But so I went to see I went to see Iron Maiden on Saturday night, and people videotaped a lot. I'm like, you're never going to watch that because you know that when you are at home and yeah. you play that, it's like 20 seconds of just loud. Yeah, and I'm you a know, photographer, so I know the the photography is going to be crap. Yeah, well, it's going to be awful. So you're just putting your phone in front of everybody's face. Yeah. And you're experiencing it through your phone right now. Right. The band is right there. <laughs> you just watch the band. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes when I'm out, I sh- that's when I should be posting on social media and being all Instagram and I'm at this fabulous event. But I kind of just want to enjoy the event. <laughs> I, I get you there. Like those people at the Iron Maiden concert. Just you pay $200, what, you'll get your money's worth. Yeah. Because you're I, never going to watch that video at home. No, I usually take the one photo or one little video just to make social media happy and then put my damn phone away. Enjoy the event. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Okay, so we're old. That's what we've learned. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Basically, the moral of this podcast episode is we're old. We're out of touch with the new kids. (laughs) Yeah, we're not cool. Mm -hmm. I think we're cooler. But anyways. um, (laughs) I think. I think we're more knowledgeable. Yes. They will learn. 20-year-olds will learn that mm-hmm. uh, 
there's more to life than social media. That's right. But you still have to be on social media if, if this is what you want to do with your life. What do you think when um, you're at a coffee shop and uh, you get handed your hot drink and you say, thank you, and they say, no worries? You feel like saying, no, I, I wasn't worried. I was just saying thank you. Like you weren't doing me that much of a favor for you to say no worries for helping me get the, the coffee. I've never really pondered that one. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's you will next, of time, yours. next time. Next time, an eighteen-year-old says, "No worries." You're like, "No worries." Well, I wasn't worried about you. Well, uh, the, basically, the whole time I'm thinking, "Do I say no worries?" <laughs> yeah. Do I do that? No worries. Yeah. No problem. That might be a no problem. I don't know. <laughs> but the, the people don't say it quite often. They don't say, "Oh, you're welcome." They say, "No worries." True. Now mm. I'll notice it all the time. Yeah, you will now. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting talk. Yes. This has been a very odd podcast episode. <laughs> well, this is how I converse most of the time, I must admit. Yeah. I mean, the, this is probably the type of episode I like when I listen to episodes, when they yeah. just get off topic and talk. Just about ramble. Them. Just yeah. talk. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I love about podcasts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you listen to a lot of podcasts? I do. Okay. I, and I, I'm not a long-term listener. I kind of started listening when I thought, hey, I should start a podcast. Maybe mm-hmm. I should listen to some. But then I got really into it. So just in the last year, I've been listening to podcasts. And okay. my favorite ones also listen to go what I do like and what I don't like, mm-hmm. of what I would put in my own. And mm-hmm. my favorites have been... For actors, I love 10,000 No's. Mm -hmm. He used to talk to more actors. He's kind of moved on, and so I don't listen to it as often. I'm sorry, Mm -hmm. but he's still my favorite. But he's an actor, and he started this podcast called 10,000 No's. What is his name? Is Michael something? He was on Scandal. He was going through a period of time where he wasn't working as much. Mm -hmm. Um, Scandal, I think it's when... Trump got elected, they changed their whole writing for this last season. Oh, okay. Yeah. And he was supposed to have a bigger part, but then because of the election, they went a different way. So he had less of a part. And so he had no work. So then he started a podcast (laughs) called 10,000 No's. And he just always, he interviews successful people about all the 10,000 No's along the way and how do you keep going? So I found it really interesting. That's a cool concept. Do you listen to Howard Stern show? I don't. We yeah. should. I want you listening to Howard Stern show. The know. best interviewer ever. And I've always brilliant. been kind of turned off by him. Well, you don't listen. I don't listen to him, no. No. <laughs> you should go onto YouTube and listen to um, like just uh, uh, like the Lady Gaga interviews or the Paul McCartney interviews. Okay. So someone I'm interested in. Yes. Because I'm not interested in him. But maybe he'll win me over. He will. <laughs> Listen to Paul McCartney and Lady Gaga, and uh, or just Lady Gaga, and you'll be really, really into Howard Stern. You'll really like his interviews. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And what else? Um, there's for dancers. I love the dance podcast. Same kind of mm-hmm. thing. I think what what I wanted because I love all. I love. <laughs> I love acting. I don't do any of it, but I love musicians. I love actors. I love dancers. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of always wanting to be around them. So I would listen to these and I would see there's a lot of good 
podcasts for actors, there's podcasts for dancers, there's podcasts for musicians. And mm-hmm. I think even as a publicist, I've always wanted to kind of meld, you know, introduce each other for the different industries because and less separation because we can learn so much from each other and help each other. Oh yeah. Yeah. So sure. that's kind of where I went into this podcast of like, I want to include actors, dancers, musicians. That's great. I'm glad you do. That's cool. Good for you. And how, how, how long have you been a publicist for? 15, 16. Yeah. Good for you. <laughs> Always, always music and film, mostly, but uh, done all other kinds of publicity as well, but mostly entertainment, music and film. And then I've started coaching artists in the last couple of years, coaching artists on their branding and things like that. Well, it's very important that you do because a lot of people have no idea what they're doing once they get into it. Yeah, I think I found that um, people would come to me for publicity, but they weren't really ready. They didn't have their shit together. And I would tell them all the things that they need to do to get ready, but I wasn't, I don't know if that was being helpful. So then I, when I kind of discovered coaching, it's like, oh, okay, now I can coach you and get you ready. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's been great for a few that it's like coach them on their branding, their, you know, what they really want in the life, what their goals are, goal setting and all that. And then we went, we go right into publicity and, we're rocking it so it worked so i'm gonna do more of that soon too yeah that's great cool okay well listen i won't keep you i know you're busy you've got a lot of editing to do i do you gotta listen to a lot of howard stern you have to listen to all those lady gaga interviews now okay so where can people find you online oh the place you uh, love to be (laughs) uh well facebook matthew wilson with two t's and two l's Okay. And the Twitter is uh, MaddieBoy5150. And uh, Instagram is just, uh, I, I think it's just Matthew Wilson, two T's and two L's. So the publicist in me would like you to get the same name for all. I know, but a publicist <laughs> that I once had changed it and it's been screwed up ever since. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> Damn that publicist. <laughs> Damn that publicist. Because then, you, like for me, I can say, I'm Diane Foy PR on all socials. I'm probably Matthew Wilson on all socials, but I really don't know. But my wonderful publicist now will tell me. Yeah, she'll hook you up. Well, that's all I got for you. Thanks for spending this time with me. No worries. And uh, maybe I'll see you at the awkward networking events during (laughs) tip. Yes, I hope so. If you do, (laughs) please come up and introduce yourself, please. I'd like to see you. I like you. I like you. Yeah, I don't like most people, but I like you. Oh, good. Good. I like that. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks very much. I cool. really appreciate the time. And uh, if there's anything else, uh, by all means, uh, just let me know. I, I, I do like spending time talking and uh, this has been nice. So if you need anything else. Okay. Wonderful. Uh, let me know. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Enjoy the rest of your day. You too. All the best. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Seriously. I just realized in editing this that when I said thank you, he said no worries. His pet peeve. <laughs> Anyways, for a transcript of this odd conversation, visit singdanceactthrive.com slash 026. Thanks for listening to Sing, Dance, Act, Thrive. 
Be sure to join the mailing list at dianefoy.com to gain access to exclusive bonus content, a weekly newsletter, and an invitation to our private Facebook group of purpose-driven performing artists and industry influencers. 